do personality tests. Have any of you done personality tests? Where you realize, okay, I'm, I'm wired this way or that way. And those are helpful. My wife and I have done love language tests where we say, you know, I respond more to this and she responds more to that. Those are helpful. But they do not help you in identifying your true identity. Maybe you've been called by God for something specific. Those of you that have been called out as leaders, there's something specific that you go, this is what, this is what I do. Do you feel a sense of destiny? And it's interesting that we're in this place called destiny. Destiny in what he has put on your heart. It's true that each of us is called to a specific work which was established for us before the foundation of the world. You are not discovering something that you came up with. The Lord wrote this for you and he established it for you. Excuse me. All of these things that I'm talking about, what you do, your personality, all of those things will not help you in discovering your true identity. I've said it before and I'm going to say it here again. There is an identity crisis in the world among believers. We don't know who we are or when we hear it, we haven't believed it. Most people that I come in contact with are searching for meaning and purpose in their lives. Even at Destiny Worship Center, what is your destiny? Even the name, Destiny, what is your destiny? Each of you that are here, you've come here. You attend Destiny Worship Center. What is your destiny? I'll tell you right now. This is your destiny. In Romans 8, 28 to 31, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I want to talk about the word predestined. There's been so much misunderstanding about predestined, predestination. What does this mean? This is not complicated. It has been complicated by the devil to confuse us for who we are. Predestined does not mean that he is controlling you. God is in charge, but he does not control your life. He has given you the ability to make the decisions to control your life. He, his requirement is that you get to know him. You hear his spirit. And the decisions that you make, the steps you take, are at his leading. But you can turn around and go the other direction. He does not force you to follow him. When Bishop was walking around here with his armor bearers, did he tie a rope around their neck and drag them behind him? No, he led them by leadership, by love. They love him, and by that, they follow him. That's how God leads us. That's how he predestined us. He simply said, all who are born again will look like who? Be conformed to the image of who? His son. His son. He said, all who are born again 
will be conformed to the image of my son. Do you believe that you have the image of Jesus? Have you ever heard this? Have you believed it or have you pushed it off? See, he speaks to me in visions, in dreams. One day while I was at Bible college, I was in the front. There was worship time. I love to worship. And by the way, I love your worship. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I was containing myself just a bit because the suit's a little harder to dance in. But I do love to dance. I, I, I love to jump and dance. So this was wonderful. And during this worship time, I was up front. There was a whole bunch of people. And it was like everybody's worshiping. Everybody's dancing. Everybody's having a good time. And during this song, I felt this honor, this presence of the Lord. And I, I wanted to honor him. And so I knelt. And I was honoring the king. I was honoring the Lord. And all the worship music quieted. They were still playing, but I couldn't hear it. There was no sound. And I heard, son, stand up. And I thought, oh, I am in the presence of God. I can't stand up. And yet he had told me to stand up. And so by obedience, I stood up and I was like this. I was hunched over. And then he said two words that I'll never forget. He said, look and see. And I realized he was saying, look and allow the eyes of your heart to see. And so I did. I went like this. I looked. I wasn't seeing anybody around me. What I was seeing was the throne. And I was seeing the Father and Jesus at his right hand, and I saw the face of Jesus. And I looked to my right, and there was a column of gold. This column was like a mirror. I could see myself, but I knew it was pure gold. And when I turned to look, I saw my body with the face of Jesus, identical as a twin. I looked identical to him. And I stood in this downpour of re revelation. The Lord birthed something in my heart that he wants all of us to understand. He has not called you as just someone from somewhere. It says, whom he foreknew, these he predestined. He knew who would be born again, but he did not command someone to be born again or not. That is still your choice. But he still knows. And because he knew, he said, I will not leave them alone. I will not leave them out there. I will conform them to the image of my son. It is his promise. Predestination is his promise to make you like his son. It is one of the most wonderful promises. So why do so many people who are gaining some success in their working career or or in their lives begin to have, have problems in their personal lives. Over the years, I've heard story after story after story like this, but God has a better way. There's an internal emptiness that comes from living out of a false identity. And people try to fill that void with hobbies or sports or work or addictions. All of these are the outflow coming from a heart desperate 
to live out of its true identity. So if I ask you the question, who are you? But I would not have given you this description to start with. How would you have answered? If I would walk up to you and I would not have been up here with a microphone and I would say, who are you? You would give me your name. Many times, if we dig deeper, the conversation gets into, I'm a truck driver, I'm a teacher, I'm a this, I'm a that. I do this or I do that. If I say, who are you? What you do comes into the conversation. What you do is not who you are. That does not identify you in your true identity. I want you to be honest with yourself so that you can see clearly. Hopefully, by the end of this message, you will have changed your answer a bit. Today, I want to describe who you really are as the king's son. And I think it's very interesting, Bishop, that you highlighted these women and you said they are men. And you didn't apologize for this. We are all called to be sons of God. Do you realize there is no gender in the kingdom? We have grown up with gender and we think of it as everybody has gender. But in the kingdom, in the kingdom, things are different because it's an authority structure. When the Bible talks about being a child of God, it references being a son of God. I don't, in the original text, I have not found where it says daughter. Now, the translations have said sons and daughters, and it, they've added those in to make the women feel accepted. But I want to make the women feel accepted without saying daughter. Here's why. It doesn't mean that it's just for the men. It means that all of us have equal status to the father, regardless of our human differences. You understand gender is a human difference. We are, first of all, a spirit. That is your primary identity. You are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live temporarily in this body. This body is where your gender is. But guess what? God raises all people to equal status as his son. You see, many cultures around the world treat men differently than women. It's not unique to one place or another. Most places in the world, there is a difference. But God does not want us to get caught in that trap. When I think of Jesus himself and the authority that he carries as the son, if you compare and you say sons and daughters, and I say all of you have authority as Jesus, the son of God, the women can very easily go, he's the son, I'm the daughter. Not because you're trying, but because we've been told this is the way it is. We have been told the authority structure is men and then women. God is saying, I want all of you to have the authority as my son. Look at yourself as he sees you and he has elevated you. You have the ability to rule as a son with authority. Don't let anyone tell you differently. It is the devil trying to take the power that women have. And this is not a women's lib message here. This is kingdom saying, we need you, and we need you to rise. And what I see here in the leadership that you've chosen, 
I love it. This is amazing. You are taking your places in leadership. This is the way it should be. I preached a message a little while ago called, Who is Jesus? And in that message, I addressed a lot of the things that set Jesus apart as the true king and the only begotten son of God. This is not to take away from his uniqueness as the only begotten son of God. Do you understand? We are being raised to equal status with him, but he is the only begotten, the only born, first born, actual human born son of God. And he will remain as the firstborn, as the only begotten. We have been grafted in or adopted in because of his death and resurrection. So with that, he remains in his unique status. I think many times we, we are afraid to be raised to this level of authority because we, he's our leader. We, we don't want to dismiss the authority of Jesus. But see, Jesus is saying, come and sit with me. I am seated with Christ. Why? Because I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's him in me. So I don't raise myself there. He has raised me there. The majority of people today find it impossible to think outside of their natural experience. I grew up in a religious community, and my friends will attest to this. The Amish and Mennonite uh, community is very conservative, very family-oriented. It's a wonderful place, a wonderful place to grow up. But the, the, the common thought is that if I can't see it or touch it, it's not real. You have to prove it to me. It's facts. I will trust the facts. Okay? Seeing is believing is kind of the mentality. Whereas in the kingdom, believing is seeing. Now, if you want to say seeing is believing, if you see it in your heart first, that's where belief happens, and then you see it in the natural. So the problem is, when all we think of is the natural, we're not able to comprehend the truth, the deeper and greater truth of the spiritual. The story of creation in Genesis reveals at least some of what God our Father was thinking when he decided to make man. I actually mentioned this in a podcast that I do, and it's called, Who Are You? Genesis 1, 26 to 28 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Did you notice the three words that God used? It says, Let God make, uh, and God said, Let us make man in our image. That is his spirit, in our image. And after our likeness, that's, his, that's the soul. Our soul is made in the likeness of God. And let them have dominion. That's our body. He gave us spirit, soul, and body in image, likeness, and dominion. We are not simply to walk alone 
in hopes that somehow God will help us. It is his will and his plan that we know who we are really and truly as his children. In Acts 17, 24 to 28, it says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives birth to all, gives life to all, gives to all life, breath, and all things, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord. This is the purpose. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And also some of your own poets have also said, for we are also his offspring. Listen, from one blood, he created all of mankind from one blood. If, if I am standing next to one of you and we would bleed, we would bleed the same blood. That's, that's the beauty of this, is that there are no differences in the kingdom of God. This is what has allowed me to see things where I, I look at this and I say, I don't know why people see so many differences. I don't see them. Because I see the image of God. I see the image and likeness of God. And that's the beauty of it. That's why there is equal authority that he's granted to all of mankind. In verse 27 where it says that the purpose being so that they should seek the Lord. The point of this is so that you seek him. Why did he do it? So that you would in the hopes that you would grope for him. Maybe if your eyes are closed and the room is dark, you don't just walk into the room with your face forward. What happens? <laughs> you will have an encounter with the wall or something or a chair or, or something. If you have small children and there's toys or something on the floor, you may have an encounter with something that, <laughs> that wasn't very comfortable. So if there's no light, you put your feelers out there and you say, I need to find something that I can, oh, here we go, something I can hold on to. Now I have a position that I am safe. The point of this is so that we are looking for him. He wants us to look for him because he wants us to find him. He says he is not far from each one of us. In fact, when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he meant the kingdom of heaven is as close as your hand right here. It's right here. God is not far away. 